that was a great blessing. Well, tonight, just very briefly before we uh, head home, um, I thought we would uh, take a moment and uh, cover a message entitled, instead of heading home, headed to Bethlehem. Headed to, he- headed to Bethlehem. And uh, for this, if you have a Bible, if you want to turn to uh, Matthew chapter number two, Matthew chapter number two, and we're going to look at those who wanted to go to Bethlehem. Uh, The title of the uh, Christmas program tonight was, I Want to Go to Bethlehem. And uh, let me go ahead and read here Matthew chapter number two and verse number uh, one and two to start with, and we'll look at a couple of the other verses as we go through uh, this passage uh, together this evening. The Bible says in Matthew two and verse number one, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For you have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And let's pray and then we'll uh, get into our message tonight. Lord, thank you for the wonderful job these children did. Uh, What a blessing that was. And just reminding us of what this season really is all about. Um, the fact that God became man, dwelt among us, and uh, ended up dying on the cross uh, to be our sacrifice and substitute. And uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity now to look into your word for just a few moments. And I pray, Lord, uh, you would give us what we need tonight. And uh, I pray that you would help us to be receptive to your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, as we consider this idea of wanting to go to Bethlehem, uh, we know that Joseph and Mary headed to Bethlehem, but I would submit to you this evening uh, that I don't think they really wanted to go to Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph. Uh, there's a couple reasons why I think that. Number one, they had to go to pay taxes. Uh, how many of you would like to travel 70 to 90 miles on a donkey in the elements to pay money to the government? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think so, Okay. Uh, nobody wants to pay taxes to begin with, but, but let alone going through all the trouble of going uh, to an obscure little town uh, to do so. Uh, well, that's what Mary and Joseph had to do. Uh, on top of that, um, I think another reason is that Mary was great with child, okay? Uh, she was very pregnant, very close to delivering uh, this uh, Christ child. And, and uh, look, we have, we have four children, and uh, I remember... Uh, when Julie was great with child, uh, she would not have enjoyed a five to ten day backpacking trip during that stage of her pregnancy. <laughs> and uh, not only would she not have enjoyed it, I also would not have enjoyed uh, going along with her and hearing about everything every step of the way. And, uh, and yet that's what uh, Mary and Joseph uh, had to do. They had to make that long journey and, and uh, they were had to do that to pay taxes and in her particular status in her pregnancy. Uh, It wasn't like she just found out she was pregnant. She was great with child. And at that point, it was kind of like, boy, everything kind of revolved around Julie. And and, uh, we, I remember when uh, we were headed down to uh, uh, the hospital, we we lived about 30 minutes from the hospital uh, from uh, where we lived. And when, when it was time for Seth to be born, uh, we made that trip over there, and she's like, are we there yet? And I'm like, we literally just got on the freeway. We have about 20 miles, but we're almost there, honey. We're almost there. And uh, are we almost there yet? Are we almost there? Yes, we're almost there. And I kept saying that. It was, you know, 
Uh, I was trying to uh, not, not have her think about it. Uh, yes, we're almost there. Well, I, I imagine some of those things were taking place with Mary and Joseph. I don't think Mary and Joseph really wanted to go to Bethlehem. They weren't one of the ones who like, ooh, pick me. I want to go to that obscure little town. But while Mary and Joseph probably didn't want to go to Bethlehem, there were some men who did. And uh, Matthew chapter 2 tells us about these, these wise men. And, uh, of course, we just sung the song this evening called uh, We Three Kings. Uh, we, don't know how many, uh, we, we don't know how many wise men there were that uh, went to Bethlehem. We don't know. Uh, certainly there was more than one because we knew there were men. Uh, so that's about all the Bible tells us. Of course, uh, most of us understand that um, or, or think of the, th- the number three because of that's how many gifts were given to Jesus uh, there. And, and we'll, we'll mention that here in a moment. But um, let's look here in uh, Matthew chapter number two for just a few moments tonight and, and, and learn about these, these wise men from Matthew chapter two and see why they desired to come to the humble, obscure little town of Bethlehem. Let's look first uh, this evening and notice their reason for wanting to go to Bethlehem. Uh, why again, Bethlehem wasn't exactly a, a top vacation spot there in Israel. It wasn't a, a big tourist destination. It wasn't a place that you, you know, want to get away. Well, let's go to Bethlehem. It, it wasn't that case. Uh, my wife and I just um, went last week to Branson. How many of you have been to Branson? Would you raise your hand? Okay, most, a lot, most hands are up here. And, and you know that's kind of a, a tourist destination for those of us who uh, live close-ish to Branson. And uh, there's a ton to do over there, and it's a very wholesome place, and they have good food there too. And, uh, and, and my wife and I went there for a pastor's retreat and, and had a couple extra days there, and it was, it was a blessed time. Uh, and so when, when you think, well, where, where could we go to get away a lot of people do pick Branson from this area, but nobody would pick Bethlehem in Israel. Nobody would go, oh, let's go to Bethlehem. Isn't that, doesn't that sound like, like a lot of fun to go there? No, that wasn't a place that they wanted to go to get away, to, to kind of see some shows and do all that stuff. No, that wasn't what they were trying to do. Verse number two tells us why their reason for wanting to go to Bethlehem. In verse number two, it says, Where is he uh, that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. They they understood from uh, their study of the Old Testament that that there's a big star in the east and and that was going to lead them to the Messiah, the the promised one, the, the one that had been promised for really thousands of years, the one who... Uh, Way back in the book of Genesis, God promised that the seed of the woman uh, would come. And and all the way back in Genesis chapter number 3. And so their reason for coming was that they wanted to come and worship the Lord. They had a sincere desire to see the Lord, uh, Jesus Christ, and to worship Him. So we see their reason wasn't exactly what most of us would uh, have in our minds as we go to a new town or uh, want to get away and make a long trip. Um, they decided, though, that they were willing to do that all in order to worship the Lord Jesus. And then I want us to see not only their reason tonight, but I want us to look at their rejoicing. Their rejoicing. And we're going to uh, skip over a little bit of uh, the, the next few verses here. And uh, basically, at verses 3 through uh, verse number 8, 
uh, talks about their conversation with King Herod. And, and uh, King Herod, of course, uh, said, well, hey, well, why don't you tell me where he is? Once you find him, come tell me where he is so that I can come and worship him too. And of course, that's not at all what, Jesus, what Herod wanted to do. He wanted to kill the Lord Jesus because he was insecure and, and uh, wanted to eradicate anyone that would uh, try to overthrow him, or at least he was thinking that's what Jesus was going to do. And that's not at all the case. Well, then in verse number nine, if you jump down there, and it says here, when they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star, uh, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And then in verse number 10, notice here, when they saw the star, they rejoiced. And notice they didn't just rejoice. Verse 10 says they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So as they saw that star in the east, they they were elated, and, and they saw this star as it was leading them to where the young child was. Of course, um, this takes place sometime after Jesus was born. Uh, a lot of times we equate this with the uh, uh, right the, the same time frame that the birth of Christ took place. Uh, technically, this took place uh, probably within about a year, year and a half of when Jesus was born, uh, because we find him not in the uh, not in a manger anymore. Now we find him in verse number eleven in the house, um, and then uh, as Herod decides who he's going to. Um, kill later on, uh, he picks two years old and under. Um, so Jesus was somewhere between an infant and two years old, probably in about a year range, a 12-month range. But regardless of, uh, of how old he was and, and the timing of that, uh, as they saw this star that came over, now a lot of people wonder, what was the star? Can you explain what that star was? Um, not really. Uh, I guess my best explanation for you, biblically speaking, is it was a miracle of God. <laughs> now, some people think, oh, well, it was probably just one of those unique, you know, we just had a, a, an eclipse not long ago, um, a lunar eclipse, is that right? Or a sol- I think a lunar eclipse um, just a few weeks ago, one that's not going to happen for a long time. Um, and and, and different, different things like that happen every so hundred years or so. Well, uh, a lot of people think, well, this was just an aligning of the planets to create this, what looked like a giant star. Um, I doubt that was the case. I really honestly think this was a special star that God put in there uh, for this particular reason to guide these wise men to where Jesus was. Uh, I believe it just was a miracle and we can just take it for what the Bible says and not try to figure it out scientifically. Again, as I mentioned this morning, I'm kind of over the word science, aren't you? Um, uh, We're kind of just, who cares what science says anymore? Uh, Let's go with what the Bible says. And uh, the Bible, uh, science always has to catch up with the Bible. The Bible's right. Science uh, sometimes is right, sometimes it's wrong, but the Bible's always right. Well, anyway, uh, as they saw this star, whatever it was, Uh, The Bible says they rejoice with exceeding great joy. Now, throughout the Christmas story, uh, one thing that I've noticed is that the word joy or the word rejoicing is found a surprising amount of times throughout the Christmas story. If you go all the way back to uh, Luke chapter, well, 
We're in Matthew chapter number two, but if you go to Luke chapter one, um, I'll just kind of zip through a few of these verses very quickly tonight. Uh, but Luke one and verse number 14, as uh, Zacharias is finding out that uh, his uh, elderly wife, Elizabeth, is going to give birth to uh, a man by the name of John the Baptist, who would become the cousin of Jesus Christ. I said this in uh, verse number 14, here's what the angel said unto Zacharias. He said, thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And that's a reference to John the Baptist. Okay, well then fast forward to uh, verse 44. Um, when uh, Mary finds out she's going to have not just a baby, but she's going to conceive of the Holy Ghost. She's going to be the virgin who would give birth to none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. As she goes to Elizabeth, who is already ha who has John the Baptist inside her womb, and she's pregnant with John the Baptist, she explains, Mary does, to Elizabeth that God had chosen her to be the mother of the Son of God. And here's what... Uh, Here's what happened in verse number uh, 44. For lo, as soon as the voice, uh, here's what Elizabeth is saying to Mary. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a fetus, isn't it? It's just a glob of cells, isn't it? Uh, that, that little baby inside her womb actually leapt for joy. Uh, at the news that Jesus was going to be born. And, uh, you know, you, you tell me that it's, it's just a glump of cells and, and uh, that's not a life. You're, you're wrong. Here in the Bible, we see that there's a, a baby in the womb who has life who, and who actually had joy in the womb. How could we take that away from them? How could we uh, destroy them. I don't know. That's a different message for a different time. But, um, but here we see even John the Baptist was experiencing joy as he learned, as he heard uh, through all of that. And of course, uh, most of you moms know that those babies in your womb can respond to sound. And uh, they kick and they do all kinds of things and kick things you don't want them to kick and all that and when certain sounds uh, come on. Well, and then verse number 40, uh, 46, uh, Mary said this. She said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. So again, we see the word joy and the word, word rejoice here. And then in uh, chapter number 2, in verse number 8, uh, the children did such a great job going through this part. Um, when the, angel, or when the uh, shepherds were in the same country, abiding in the field, keeping their watch over their flock by night, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So again, we see the word joy mentioned in the scriptures, in the Christmas story. And then now here in Matthew chapter 2, back in Matthew chapter 2, uh, as the uh, wise men see this star in the east. Now many of the Christmas hymns that we enjoy singing this time of year, they mention this concept of joy and rejoicing. Uh, here's a few examples. Hark the herald angels sing. Uh, one of the verses says, Joyful 
All ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. So joyful, all ye nations rise. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Uh, I think the chorus of that song says, O tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, O tidings of comfort and joy. And then, of course, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. What about, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. And my personal favorite uh, Christmas song of all time is, O Holy Night. And uh, one of the verses of that says, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Uh, Look, there's reason to rejoice this Christmas season, regardless of our circumstances. Uh, Some of us are uh, enjoying the Christmas season and and things are going well. But for others, I think of those, our friends to the east there in Kentucky. This Christmas season is a little different than they were expecting, I'm sure. And despite the circumstances that we all are going through, look, the fact of the matter is we can all remember the fact that Jesus came to this earth. Regardless of our circumstances, we can still have joy. Uh, We can have joy in the fact that God sent us a Savior. Look, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. And that is what can bring us great joy in this season, regardless of our circumstances. The story is told of a woman who left her husband, sadly. The husband called the police and filed a missing person's report. A few weeks later, the police found her a few counties over. They asked him if he wanted them to take him to her, but by now the husband had realized how poorly he had treated his wife, and so he decided to write his wife some letters, and he did for months. And finally Christmas came, and he thought, you know what, I'm going to go see her. And he found her in a run-down hotel. He asked her to come home, and, and she agreed to do so. And on the way home, he said, you know, I've, I've written you for months. Why did you now come home so easily? And she replied, well, because those were just letters. This time you came in person. So once again, God didn't only just tell us that he loved us, but Christ came in person to save us and to show us his love. And that should cause us to rejoice this season regardless of our circumstances. And again, I hope your circumstances are great. I hope they improve. I hope they're wonderful. But as looking out with some people that I know who are going through difficult times, I know circumstances are not always easy. But we can still rejoice, not in our circumstances, but what in Christ did for us in coming to this earth. Uh, these men, they had a reason for going to Bethlehem, and they had some great rejoicing. And then notice number three very quickly tonight, their response So as they come to this house, in verse number 11, notice their response to what they see. The Bible says, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Notice it wasn't worshipping Mary 
And notice that it was the young child who was mentioned first, not Mary. Uh, they, their response to what they saw in the fact they saw the young child there, the Lord Jesus, the promised Messiah, the one that had been promised for thousands of years, they worshipped him. We see their worship and their posture. The Bible says this, uh, when they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they fell down and worshipped him. Um, they recognized whose presence they were in. They weren't in the presence of just some ordinary little infant child that cries and uh, eat, needs to eat and other things, right? Um, they realized that this child was the special promised one. And so the Bible says they fell down. Uh, look, one day we're all going to fall down and bow our knee at that little child who's not a child anymore. We're all going to bow the knee. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And of course, this falling down and worshiping shows the humility we are to have toward the Lord and to allow Him to truly be the King of our lives. And so we see their worship and their posture, but we also see it in their presence. Um, we give gifts to one another this time of year, and it's a fun part, and it's a wonderful part of Christmas is giving and receiving gifts. Um, I still like to receive a gift every once in a while. Julie, how many, how many uh, shopping, shopping days are left until Christmas? Anybody know? Okay, so there you go. Tell her how many shopping days are left. Um, no, I, I, I'm teasing, but now as, as, a, as I get older, the more I actually like the other side of things. You know, when I was a kid, I liked to receive, but, but now I like to be on the giving end of things. I like, I like to see our children as they open their gifts, which, by the way, you're all bad, so you're not getting any gifts. Um, no, um, we like to give gifts. I mean, it, it's, it's a fun part of, uh, of this time of year. Now, these wise men, they didn't come empty-handed. They came with some gifts uh, that they were willing to give the Lord. And, and uh, I could go on and on about all this, but I just want to briefly mention these. Of course, they gave those three gifts. We all know what they are, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But each one of them has a significance. Each one means something about what Jesus would be. Gold signified that Jesus was and will be king, that he was the divine king of glory. And as we consider that, he is the king. Look, yes, he's one day going to sit on the throne of David and rule and reign for a thousand years. We, we talked about that this morning in the message. But he also wants to be the king of your life right here, right now. Uh, he wants to be on the throne of your heart. One of the songs we like to sing here at Cornerstone is Lead Me to Calvary. And the first verse, the first stanza of that hymn says, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lest uh, lead me to Calvary. But King of my life, I crown thee now. Lord, I want you to be King of my life. Not just my genie in a bottle that I rub whenever I'm in a jam, 
but I want you to be the king and the Lord of my life. Gold. Then there's frankincense. This shows us that Jesus is not just king, but now that Jesus is God. See, frankincense is a white resin or gum. It is obtained from a tree by making incisions in the bark and causing the gum to flow out. It is, uh, it, it's got a strong smell and very fragrant when burned and was therefore used in worship where it was burned as a pleasant offering to God. So frankincense was used in worship of the Lord, and so it is a symbolic of the fact that Jesus is not just a king, but he is indeed God in human flesh. And then myrrh was also given, which shows us that Jesus was and is the sacrifice. Uh, The next time we see myrrh mentioned in the scriptures, so we see it here in Matthew chapter 2, myrrh was presented to the Lord Jesus as a gift. The next time we see myrrh offered to the Lord, it was offered to him while he was hanging upon the cross of Calvary. At that point, Jesus refused it because it was mingled with wine, and Jesus did not partake of that. But Then in John chapter 19 and verse number 39, the last time it's mentioned in reference to Christ, it says, And there came also Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. And when they, the context of when this was happening, it was after Jesus died. They took him off the cross and they were going to bury him. And they wanted to anoint his body with a mixture of myrrh and aloes. So it showed really that Jesus was born to die. And so myrrh here is mentioned at the very bookends of the life of Christ, right here in Matthew chapter number two. And then Uh, after Jesus died on the cross. So uh, this all signifies that Jesus was born to die. He was meant to be the sacrifice. And that's what those wise men were signifying as they presented that particular gift to the Lord. It all pointed to the purpose for his arrival. Why did he come? So that he could live a perfect and sinless life and then die in our place on the cross of Calvary to take the punishment and wrath of God for us. No wonder the songwriter penned the words to the famous Christmas hymn, Good Christian friends rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Why? Because Jesus Christ was born to save. And so we see their uh, their response to the Lord Jesus. And then lastly, let's look at their return. Um, After they presented the gifts, verse number 12, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So after seeing the Lord Jesus and hearing the warning from God in a dream, their path home completely changed. Obviously, the fastest way for them to get back home was to retrace their steps and go back the exact same way they came. But... The Lord changed their path all for a couple reasons. First, to uh, protect the life of our Savior. See, had they returned the same way and saw Herod and let him know the whereabouts of the king of the Jews, this Jesus, Herod would have quickly headed that way to worship him. Of course, not really worship, try to kill him. A couple thoughts here about their return home. First, we see the sovereignty of God was completely on display. 
Even though, there, even though there was someone indeed who had great power and influence trying to kill Jesus, God was still in complete control of the entire scenario. God didn't panic or fret over the situation. He didn't go, oh man, I didn't see this one coming. Herod wants to kill my son. What are we going to do? Oh no. This wasn't in the plan. This wasn't in the script. God knew what was going on. Look, when something comes into our life that we may not want, let's not panic. Let's not fret. Let's not fear. Instead, let's trust the sovereignty of God. Trust Him to work it all out because guess what? God has a pretty good way of working things out. And uh, He did by telling these men, hey, don't, don't go back the same way. You're going to go a different way. Uh, you're, you're, you're not going to go uh, past go. You're going you're to do something different this time. And so he changed their course. He had a way to be sure that his plan would be carried out. And this wasn't the only time there was an attempt on the life of Jesus. And uh, when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't because he was forced to. The Bible says he laid his life down. It wasn't that they took it, he laid it down. And so we see the sovereignty of God in their return, but we also see the fact that it was symbolic of the change that takes place in our lives once we encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. See, after we accept the Lord as our Savior and we believe on Christ as our Savior, look, our lives need to be changed. Our lives are going to be different. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. After we meet the Lord Jesus Christ and start a relationship with him, everything changes. Everything's different now. And for these men, as they encounter the Lord, their, their whole direction is, is different now. And same thing for those of us who have been saved. At least it should be. And if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, look, I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, he came to save you. That's why He came. He came to this earth, was born of a, a virgin, and, and, and lived a perfect and sinless life, and then died on the cross for you and for me. He did that so that you don't have to go to a place called hell, but that you could go to a place called heaven and spend eternity with Him forever and ever and ever so that you could have your sins forgiven. And look, there is no other way. It's not through being a member of a, any type of church. It's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ alone, period. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't get to God any other way. Well, I'm just going to be a good person and work really hard and be sincere. I'm glad you are. That's great, but that doesn't get anybody to heaven. Oh, I'm going I'm to do a lot of religious things. Doing a lot of religious things is not going to get anybody to heaven. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a pastor. I'm going to heaven because I, on Christmas night, believed on Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. That's why I'm going to heaven. Not because I do religious things. Because there's not a, enough religious things that I could do to offset my sin. All our righteousnesses, according to the Bible, are as filthy rags. So if you're here tonight and you've never been saved, tonight is the night. 
These children didn't do this just to bless you. Yes, they did, but that wasn't the only reason. It was also to display the Christmas story so that you would understand the importance of trusting Christ as your Savior. And so tonight, if you haven't done that, I would encourage you to come talk to myself or uh, Brother Randy or Brother Blake or my wife. And we'd love to show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure you have a relationship with God. Uh, Let's have a word of prayer tonight. Lord, thank you for the wonderful job the children did. Thank you, Lord, for these wise men who indeed wanted to go to Bethlehem. They headed to Bethlehem, but they uh, were changed as a result of their time in Bethlehem. Lord, their encounter with you changed everything in their life. I pray, Lord, that, uh, Lord, if there's one here today that has never trusted you as their Savior, uh, I pray that tonight would be the greatest night of their life. May they come to Jesus and be born again. Uh, Lord, thank you for this time of year. I pray you'd help us to rejoice in what you did for us, despite the challenging circumstances that may be happening in our life. I pray, Lord, that you would... Um, help us to focus on this reason, uh, the reason for the season. Help us, Lord, not to get so sidetracked with the busyness of the, of the season to where we get discouraged and, and panicking. But Lord, help us to focus on you. And Lord, we thank you for a wonderful evening. I pray, Lord, you'd uh, bless thou the time of food and fellowship. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.